0: Many don't know what it is to live in resurrection, and I believe the scriptures help us to bring us back to that. And so I know Easter Sunday was last week, but we're going to continue in this theme of resurrection. We're going to continue in this theme of resurrection under our Easter theme, jars of clay, but jars of clay, a life, a resurrection, amen? So open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Have you noticed our theme scripture was from 2 Corinthians chapter 4? And that's where we spent most of our time last week. And when I talk to you about the the Christian believers in the city of Corinth, some of us know this, some of us may not know that, but it's good that we're learning it today. When we open up our Bibles and you're turning right now to First Corinthians because I asked you to. Chapter 15. Um, this is a this is a letter written to a specific group of people who have put their faith in Jesus, and so they're real. Most of us look at books in the Bible and just think of them as books of the Bible, and so actually, First Corinthians is classified as an as a letter. It's an epistle. It's a personalized letter to real people from a real person and so just by understanding that true reality it truly can shape and change and look impact us in ways that maybe we never have been when we understand that this is a real letter written from a real individual to a, a real group of people look, who have who love Jesus they have trusted in Jesus just like you and I have trusted in Jesus and what we learned about them last week, and what you need to know right now as we begin to read, they struggled. They, sh- Oh, boy, did they struggle. They loved God. They had accepted Jesus as their Messiah. They, they, they heard that he, he died on the cross for their sins and that they have forgiveness of sin because of his blood. And they received that with much joy. But they wrestled. Anyone wrestle? Anyone wrestle? Struggle after learning of the beautiful message that Christ died for your sins, you're like, That's wonderful, and then still wrestling. And so, guess what they wrestled with? They wrestled with their sinful nature. They, they wrestled with their selfishness. They, they wrestled with their pride. They wrestled with having favorites and creating groups and cliques. And they, 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 they wrestled because they loved some, hated the others, cared for some, didn't care for the others. They even wrestled about their preachers and who their top preachers were and get into debates over which is the better pastor and which is the better apostle. And then count on some and discount the others. Oh, they, were, they wrestled in many ways. They sexed with sexual immorality, hot mess. Ooh. The secrets are in the letter. And so the Apostle Paul writes this letter to them. He's the one who shared the message. And I thank God that Paul didn't just give up on them. He didn't just give up. How many people thank God for the person that did not give up on you? That continued to, look, by the love of God in them, continue to pursue you. Thank God for that person right now. Thank God for all the words all the encouragements, all the little text messages, or the emails, or hey, let's go out for lunch, let's talk. This letter is Paul doing that, not giving up on them. He doesn't give up on them. And so, 1 Corinthians is is kinda in consideration to the rest of the letters that are written in the New Testament. This one's quite long. say, well, why is it quite long? Because they had quite a mess. (laughs) Your wife ever send you a text and it's really long? You're like, oh, my goodness, what did I do? What did I miss? Your parent ever writes you long? It's like, hold up. And so the length of this letter is to show the weight and the importance. And it's so profound that Paul doesn't give up. Now, they got a lot of problems. This is important. I'm not, this is not, you, you guys can do this, right? it's long and it's weighty and he's talking about their divisions and he's talking about their sexual immorality and he's talking about their a little bit of their idolatry he even talks about their problems in their fellowship when they come together you think church having problems is new to this century where have you been some this is funny i laugh when i hear this inside i just wish we could be like the church in the book of acts I just wish we could be like the church, you know, that was back in the, you know, in the Bible, that kind of church. That's the kind of church I want. Because we read about when they prophesied, we read about when they spoke in tongues, we read about when they healed the sick, we read about when demons left. All of that stuff happened and they were all a mess. And you say, well, how could that even happen if they were all a mess? Because there was a treasure in their jar of clay. <laughs> There was th- the Spirit of God was placed in them as a gift. And so they were spiritual, but look, because they never stepped into the resurrection, when the Spirit came out, it more like spilled out. <laughs> and so look, they're spiritual, but they're a hot mess. Anyone ever been there? And so Paul doesn't give up on them. And look, they got all these problems, and chapter 15 that we're about to read right now. Is the second to last chapter, and chapter 16 is kind of like his final greetings, his goodbye. But chapter 15 becomes the way of how Paul is gonna wrap up all that mess and he's gonna to try to bring them into an understanding, something that they are failing to realize. And it's because they're failing to realize that it's the reason for all the chaos. You see, you see, all these problems. But then he goes, to, he goes to wrap it up by giving them something that they're missing. Today I want to suggest to us that sometimes the reason for all of the mess is because we're missing something so significant. We got chaos here, chaos there, chaos here, chaos there. And sometimes it's what it really comes down to, what it boils down to, is something, that one thing that we're missing, that if we get that, it changes everything. And so we're going to read this passage of Scripture, and maybe you'll, you'll see what he He's telling them that they're failing to see. Okay, 1 Corinthians, thank you for enduring. Thank you for those who stood on their feet, standing. I appreciate you guys. It's all right to you sat down. Okay, beginning at verse 1. It says, now I want to make clear for you, brothers and sisters, the gospel that I preach to you, that you received and on which you stand and by which you are being saved. If you hold firmly to the message I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. (laughs) So you heard the gospel. So are we really standing on it? Are they really standing on it? Unless they believed in vain. Good reflection for us, right? Look what he says. Verse 3, he goes, For I pass on to you, look, as first importance, not last, not an add-on. No, wh- the gospel that I shared with you that you believed is of first importance. Now, this is fascinating because most of us think that the gospel is for the beginners. The gospel is for the basics. And so in many ways, yes, the gospel is the beginning But you know something? The gospel is the means to get to the end. And most of us take the gospel and the truth of the cross and the resurrection, and we leave that for, look, Good Friday, and we leave it for Resurrection Sunday, and then we throw it somewhere, and it's no longer first importance. And then we start walking, and it's like, God bless me, God use me, God fulfill my dreams, and God, I got a mission, and I'm going to do all of this. And you know where's the gospel? The gospel is no longer first importance. It is dangerous. It is very dangerous to any believer when the gospel and all that the gospel entails is no longer of first importance. Now remember, they're a mess. And this is the final thing he's going to talk to about in the letter. He's bringing it back to the gospel. All of us want to go forward. I want you to go forward. Put one foot in front of the other. Go forward. You got to go forward to go forward. But many times you have to go back in order to really Go forward. And so he says, I pass on to you as of first importance what I also received. Look, here it is. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And you know what? And that he appeared to Cephas meaning Peter, then to the 12. Then he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at one time, most of whom are still alive. So go ahead and ask them about it. Though some of them have fallen asleep, though some of them have passed on. Then he appeared to James. James was the brother of Jesus. Then to all the apostles. And look at verse 8. Last of all, last of all, as to as though to one born at the wrong time, he appeared to me also. Paul's like, I almost missed it. You ever feel like you're missing it? Everyone else has seen the resurrection, right? Everyone else has seen something. Everyone else, and it's like, how come I feel like I haven't experienced with every? Everyone else is experiencing You kind of feel last in everything. And Paul is writing to them to kind of show them, like, hey, listen. Yeah, there were a lot of people there who saw it first. And I almost was born out the wrong time and missed it. But I got to see it. Amen? I want to feature you from that subject now and later. Now and later. You may be seated. Now and later. Amen. Again, thank you for coming to the Dwelling Place Church. (laughs) So just to make a proper transition, last week we would say, was Easter Sunday? But the problem with saying that last week was Easter Sunday is to then believe that resurrection ended. Right? If we say last week was Easter Sunday, pastor, you need to change the design, we need something new, something fresh, can we move on? If we believe that last week was Easter Sunday, and and, and, oh, great, and, and all we talk about is how full the church was, and we think, yeah, that's right, some people got baptized, yes, they sure did. But if, but if last week was Easter Sunday, and if all last week was a day of the past on the calendar, then we could be missing the very thing that we actually need for right now. How many people say amen to that? And so that is precisely the point that Paul is trying to get to here with, this, with these real people. I mean, these real church people who really love God. They really love God. Now, yes, in the timeline of history, the resurrection did happen on a specific day. And that's how Paul opens up this letter to the Corinthian church. He's saying, I, pre- I, I, I preached this message to you. And what was the message that he preached? He said that Christ, right, Christ was crucified and that Jesus did shed his blood According to the scriptures, that's true. So he's referring, look, he's referring to something that did take place in time in history in the past. And then he says, and he was buried. So that does take up time in the actual day, on the actual calendar. It takes place in history. And so he was buried. We know he was buried. And that happened. And it happened back then. And then he goes on to say, and then he rose on the third day, and they know that there was a third day because he speaks, he spoke to them about it, and that third day was a Sunday. And then he starts to mention to the Corinthian church how Jesus then appeared to all these people. And so, yes, he's acknowledging that resurrection Sunday was something. That happened in the past. And he talks about, like, thank God I got to experience Jesus too. He appeared to me, and, and I was the, one of the last ones to get in on that, but I got to experience that too. Now, the Corinthian church, none of them were there in that day of history. And so you could imagine how they maybe feel like, oh man, all you guys got to experience that, but I missed it. I missed it. I wasn't there. How terrible does it feel when someone tells you, oh, you just you just had to be there? It's like, man, do I no longer get to be a partaker? And there are some things that if you weren't there, you do not get to experience the beauty of them, the power of them, the sentiment of them. Because you were not there, you can't, you can't remember what it smelled like. You can't remember what it tasted like. You, can't, you don't have a memory of it. And so... Most things, when they happen in history, if you're not there, then you cannot take part in them. However, what Paul is trying to bring to these Corinthian church who were not there, that when it comes to the resurrection, the resurrection is different than other things that happen in history. He's trying to get them to understand that even though they were not there when Jesus died on that Friday and even though they were not there nowhere near present at the burial there on that Saturday and they were not part of the ones that found the the tomb the stone rolled away that even though they were not there in history they can still be partakers of that resurrection. Because Jesus raising from the dead changed all of history. And it's not the same like normal history. And so you know what? Even though they weren't there in the past, they can still experience that resurrection for their now. And this is true of us. This is true of us. None of us were there. Raise your hand if you were there on Good Friday. Don't you dare put your <laughs> hand up. Don't, don't act like you, don't. You were at the tomb with the women and the spices. You were you were not at the, you did not bring the flowers. None of us were there, but the power of the scriptures is this. Even though we weren't there, we all should be able to experience the power of the resurrection. Should is a big word. We should. This is the power of the resurrection. That we're supposed to be experiencing resurrection. Resurrection was never meant to be a celebration on a calendar and something of the past. The problem is that's what we treat it as. That's what we... It comes and it goes. And then when we get closer, then we start thinking, oh, we got to start thinking about that Resurrection Sunday service again. And so, so where... Where did it go? Oh, it fell all the way. Because there's just so much other things that become more important to us in our faith. There's just other things that we want. There's just so many other things to proclaim in Jesus' name for us. So many other things that that take up our time. It is crazy, the mind of a Christian. I know, I have one. (laughs) We got lost in arguments. We got lost in... Fighting over Bible verses. We get, a lot of time gets spent over talking about other preachers. This is what was happening in the church of Corinth. Paul had preached to them, glory to God, and they received the message through him. But after that, you know who also came and visited them? Peter, Cephas. This is why he brings them up at the end of the chapter, because they know who, who Cephas is. Now, yes, the apostle Paul went and preached to them, but so did Peter, and so that's great. He comes and wonderful. What is what is Peter able to do? He's able to tell of all the beautiful experiences that he had with Jesus. He's able to talk about the cross, he's able to talk about the empty tomb. He's able to talk about the fishing. He's able to talk how Jesus appeared and they fish again. It is amazing. And so look, the apostle Peter is able to feed into their spirituality. But then the Bible also tells us this in the same passages that there was another man named Apollos, and he was able to go there. And this is Great, right? What should be happening? They got Paul, they got Apollos, they got Peter, all of these people were preaching the same gospel. You know what happens in the Corinthian church? They're like, oh, but I like Peter more. Oh, but I like Apollos more. Oh, no, but I like Paul more. And rather, they're missing the point. Look at the mind of a Christian. All these three men are coming with the gospel, and where does the gospel go? It falls to the background, and now they're talking about all the different experiences of these people and which one is the real apostle. And so look, they're having church, but they're missing it. They know the preachers, but they're missing it. They know Paul's stories, but they're missing it. Peter's stories, but they're missing it. They have Apollos' revelation, but they're missing it. And they're look now they're divided over. Some of them say, "No, I'm of Paul," and the other say, "No, I'm of Apollos." And Paul has to write this letter and say, "You guys, what's wrong with you?" Yeah, some of us gave you this. Some of us sold over here, and some of us, you know, sold over here into. But you guys are missing it. It is God who gives the increase, people. It is God who is making all things to grow. You look, you guys are divided over your preachers, Div- divided over doctrines and the- theologies, you could say, over people. He's like, and you let, look, he said, you let the resurrection fall to the background, you let the blood of Jesus. G- slip into the back end of the conversations, and so they got a mess, and so I could imagine them saying, yeah, but we weren't there, like, we weren't there, you were there, and maybe that's why you have so much faith, right, because you were there, like, and you saw it, you saw resurrected Jesus, like, they saw Jesus come out the tomb, like, bam, (laughs) here he is, they saw. They saw Jesus in His glory. Look how beautiful. And so, the apostle Paul said. He told them. The, and when we read, he said, "You know, he appeared to the, to Paul. He appeared, to, you know, to five hundred. He, he appeared to me. He appeared to James." And so, I, I could imagine being the Corinthian church, like, "Well, yeah, that's why you have so much faith. Is because you were there and you saw. So that's why you believe so good. You believe so good because you saw." It's hard for me to believe because I haven't seen, I haven't seen. How many people sometimes you feel like you haven't seen what everybody else is claiming to see? I mean, if I could just see, then it would be so much easier. Some of us, that's the prayer, of God, if I could just see you, then I could believe you. <laughs> if I could just see, then I could believe. Well, that same scenario that happens to us happened for one of the disciples right after the resurrection. The Gospel of John, in the very last chapter, talks about someone who says, who, who, who exclaims in same frustration, if I was there, if I would have seen it, then I would believe. John chapter 20, verse 24, tells us this. Now Thomas, called Didymus, look, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. So he missed it. And it, raise your hand if you feel like you just miss it when God comes or you missed it. I just feel like I just never, I just never. What is everyone so happy about? Why does everyone have such strong faith? Why is everyone so on fire for God? Just don't feel like I've I seen. I know what it is to feel that way. I know what it is to have gone through different stages of my life and I'm like, What do these people have that I don't have? What experience with God are they having? You know, some of people claiming that they see Jesus so clearly now, and I'm like, what is happening to me? You know what my prayer at times was? Man, if I would just see what they would see, then I could believe how they believe. If I could just see what they see, then it could help me to believe. And many of us are in that place where because you don't see what everyone's seeing, it has become the excuse for you not to believe. And so look, Thomas was not there when everyone else saw risen Jesus. Look, the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, good for you. He replied, well, lucky you. Well, This is why you're so excited, and this is why I'm still broken, because the last time that I saw Jesus, or the last that I heard of him, he gave up his last breath, and his blood was spilled. Last last I checked, Jesus was dead. So good for you that you saw him. Well, his exact words are these. Unless I see the wounds from the nails in his hands and put my finger into the wounds from the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. You got to be crazy telling me that. He was dead. He was dead. And everyone's like, you just got to believe us, man. It's like, believe you? I need to see it to believe it. You know what happens? You know what happens in the very next verse? You know what happens in the very next moment when he says that? Nothing. You know what happens an hour later? They're like, you got to believe us, Thomas. He's like, until I can put my hands inside. You know what happens an hour later? Nothing. You know what happens before he goes to bed? Nothing. You know what happens the next day? Nothing. The day after, nothing. It reached this on verse 26. Eight days later, (laughs) The disciples were again together in the house, and Thomas was with them. Can you imagine that conversation for the next, 18, for the next eight days? They're telling him, Thomas, we promise to you he's risen. And if he's risen, then everything he said is true. The kingdom does belong to us. We have a... If he rose... Look, Thomas, if he rose from the grave then the spirit lives inside of us as he said it would. Thomas, if he rose from the grave, the spirit of truth would come like he said. And so look, because Thomas hasn't seen it, he doesn't believe it. So Thomas is not experiencing what they're experiencing. For eight days this goes on. And then it says, although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Those are the right words to say after all the doors are locked and then all of a sudden homeboy just shows up. (laughs) If no one opened the door and he didn't climb in through the window and he just appeared, then yes, peace be still. And then he says this. Then he said this to Thomas. Thomas, put your finger here and examine my hands. Extend your hand and put it into my side. Then he says, do not continue in your unbelief, but believe. Thomas replied to him, my Lord and my God. And then Jesus says something so profound. Jesus tells him, he says, you have believed because you have seen me. Blessed are the people who have not seen and yet have believed. So yeah, of course, at that point, how can Thomas not believe? How can he not? It would be foolishness for Thomas not to believe after being able to examine his hands and touch them and feel... The wounds and the holes from where the nails were, it would be foolishness for him to put his hand in the side and then not believe. At that point, it takes no faith to believe that Jesus, look, is a resurrected Savior as he said he would. But what does take faith, what does require faith is for you, look, to not see and yet believe. But Jesus begins that concept was saying this, blessed are those. So now Jesus puts a blessing on those who will not see the resurrection, who will never be able to examine the hands and the body. He puts a blessing on those who do not have evidence of the resurrection but he puts a blessing on those who can have faith of the resurrection. Do you know who Jesus is blessing? He's blessing you and me right now. (laughs) Blessed are those who were not part of that day in history when he came out the tomb and saw risen Jesus. Blessed are those who could look, not have seen, yet believe. You know who Jesus is speaking blessing on? He's speaking to the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church cannot, we can't go back in history and, you know, examine and pull up the stones for it. I mean, thank God for archaeology. I love it. And it's amazing. But we can't go and replay the resurrection of Jesus. He's not going to go in the tomb and come out again just for you to clap your hands and say, I believe now. He's not gonna replay the miracle so that we can have faith. Some of us, this is what our prayers about miracles are really about. Some of our prayers about miracles about are really just for Him to reenact a magic trick that He can do so that I can see it and then I can believe it. Some of us are praying for miracles not because we have faith. We're actually praying out of lack of faith. God, if I could see it, then I'll trust you. God, if I could see you move the mountain, then, then, then I know you're true, and then I, then I know I can conquer, that, that your spirit is with me, and I can overcome. So I just need to see. I just need to see. So we, we trick ourselves to think that we're people of faith, but in actuality, all of our cries are really of doubt. And this is why I meant, sometimes some of us are like, we just, I just need to see a move of God just to show how awesome God is. And that God is like, sometimes the cry for the move of God is because deep down inside we really don't believe anymore. Now look how graceful God is with Thomas. He appeared to him. And he he showed him the evidence that he needed to believe. And some of us get this grace. Some of us get this grace where we do make prayers, God, like if if you could just show yourself to me in some kind of way. And and God is gracious at times. And sometimes He'll, by His Spirit, He'll He'll reveal Himself sometimes through the form of a prayer that you requested. And it strengthens your faith. So I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying that God is not compassionate towards those moments of when we feel weak in faith and we need Him to do something so that our faith could be encouraged. God is so gracious. He's done that for me too. But He pronounces a blessing on, look, His church, the church that would come. For them to be blessed, even, look, even though they did not see the miracle of the resurrection, but that they would believe, look, and live in that resurrection. And this becomes the key. This is a vital key. This is not just an Easter story that we got to preach about on Resurrection Sunday and when it's over. No, 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 no. This is a reality that you and I are supposed to be living in. Look, it's the gospel that saves us. What's the gospel? Does anyone know what the gospel is? Please tell me you know what the gospel is. There's a full gospel message, and we got to know all of it. One, the gospel means good news, so that's good. Just make a note of that. Gospel means good news. And what is good news? This term, good news gospel. Well, it comes from a Greek word, euangelion. What does that mean? It's the announcement that kings and kingdoms make when their kings are enthroned and their kingdom is reigning. As a matter of fact, when Caesar Augustus was born, they announced "Evangelion." Why? Because it's a kingdom term. The king is coming. And you know what? They thought their king was Caesar, who was born. And they were screaming, good news, good news. It's a word about the kingdom coming. And so when Jesus comes, John the Baptist says, oh, no, people, you got it all wrong. That's not the real king. The good news is this, that Jesus has come. And And John the Baptist started to announce the good news and the message of the kingdom. This is why when Jesus showed up, he said, hey, Thank you, John. I appreciate the shout-out. I appreciate, you know, the announcement to the world. But I'm here now. And then Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is here now. And so the gospel, we got to, the gospel is this. It's about God coming through Jesus as king back to reclaim earth. This is what the gospel is about. Now, what is, that's the gospel, That's that's, that's 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 the idea of the gospel. So what is the reality of the gospel? Well, how does God through Jesus reclaim, look, reclaim his territory on earth? And how does man, how does God reclaim his creation as his own? It's through the work of Jesus. And so it is. The death of the cross and the shed blood that does what? That not just forgives us of our sin, but breaks the power of sin. And so you can't stop at the gospel there. Don't don't stop at the cross. He's buried after that. And then on the third day, he, he resurrects in triumph, in power. And so look, what does the resurrection do? It breaks the curse of death. And so the blood breaks the bondage of sin that has all of humanity, maniacs, and then his resurrection deals with the death that we've all been sentenced to because of that sin. That is the full gospel. You need the cross and you need the resurrection. And now what happens if we fail and we lose the message of the blood? We lose the message of the cross. You know what happens when the gospel of the cross falls to the background? Then we who have trusted in the message look no different than the rest of the world. This is how you get Christians who have professed in Jesus, but they are liars just like they were liars in the world. Have the message, but where did the blood go? You know where it went? It went to the back shelf. It's no longer of first importance. You know what happens when you forget the blood? Then you get Christians who are prideful. Prideful. Full of pride. Our pride and uh, everything that we do, all the center of attention becomes about us. That's what happens when the blood slips to the background, when the gospel message falls to the background. You know what happens when... We get jealous of one another. And now that we're jealous, we get envious of one another. And you know what happens? Then the chit-chat starts to start. Then the... God, You ever been in a church like this? Praise God, never here. And... And now everyone... Look, all, look, everyone professes... We, we love the gospel. Praise God. You take a picture of you, put yourself on Instagram like this. Look, every picture... Check this out. This is so funny. Every picture on every church's Instagram, everyone's always like this. Even all of our it's like. <laughs> and it's a beautiful picture of this demonstration on the outside. The question that Jesus cares about is your, our posture on the inside. And so then, look, it's, it's not right to have my hands lifted to Jesus here. But then the envies and the jealousies and the divisions are all over the place. That, look, that's what happens when the blood and the cross (laughs) is only something we talk about on Easter Sunday. I wonder how it would help us while we're in the middle about to talk about somebody. We would say, the blood of Jesus. When I'm about to, you know, call Matt, To talk about Eric (laughs) as I wonder what would happen if I would take the message of him dying for all my sins, take it off the bottom shelf and just put it in front of me before I I wonder if it has power to help me. You know what happens when the gospel falls to the background? the person that offended you 10 years ago, you are still bitter and angry and sharing the story of their offense with other brothers and sisters. That's what happens, look, when the gospel is in the back. You know what happens when the gospel is in the back? We never talk about his mercy for us. We never talk about the grace that we experience. We just talk about everyone else's faults. We talk about all the other pastors out there. We talk about all the... (laughs) We go into these arguments about this church and that church. That's what happens when, look, when what's supposed to be of first importance is the last thing on the list. You know what happens when the gospel and the cross falls back there? That's when... Our problems today wreck us and destroy our faith. That's when the gospel, the cross, and you know what happens when the resurrection ends up on that bottom shelf? Then we live like we always lived. And all we experience is what we always experienced. The only difference is that we have a routine of going to church. But everything else is the same. That is what happens when the cross and the resurrection end up on the bottom shelf. Say, Pastor, why are you talking about this? I think we could, can we go back to Dreaming Series? Praise God, Dreamer Series Part Two. That was really awesome. Can you wear your cool jacket, Pastor? I really like that one. When's the book coming out of Dreamish Series? Praise God. I need to hear about my dream again, Pastor. I'm a dreamer. I need to know about that favorite thing again. Well, that's important, but there's something of first important. Here's the crazy thing. All the dreamers are still the ones that all need counsel, all the dreamers are still the ones that are dealing with or, look, or don't know how to deal with the life that's in front of them. Man, over the past month, I would say, as a pastor, I talked to some people who had some really difficult situations, situations that I personally have never been in, like no point of reference Never been through what they've been through, and I realized that me telling them put a smile on your face, give them a Jesus lollipop, was not going to be enough. You ever talk to someone that that's living a hell that you have no clue what it's like to live? And I said, man, Lord, help. I don't know what, uh, as a pastor, almost feeling like I don't know what, is, what to say for this. Finding the words so hard, like, God, I'm trying to sympathize and I'm trying to empathize. And it's not that my heart is not going out in compassion. It's just I have no point of reference for that kind of pain and suffering. So what, are you, what hope can you tell people? Let me tell you something. You can't tell them something fake. You can't give them a church fortune cookie that says, shout, and the chains will fall off. There are people that are going through stuff that those little cliches of church don't work. And I've really been searching, God, help me, God, to deal with the people who who are just passing through some things. And I wrestled, and I I did I tried to do my, my best, trust me, I tried, everything I had, I, I was like, do I tell them something from Dreamer series right now? No, that don't work. That, doesn't, that, that, didn't, that didn't work for what they were going through. And I remember feeling almost flustered for words at times, not because I'm ignorant, and then realizing at the end of the day, the only hope that they could have The only thing that could be of comfort, even if it's not at the meeting, is for them to put hope. Look at this. The Jesus blood was shed, and I know you're in living hell right now, but do you believe that he got up out of the grave? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm dead serious. Do you believe that his blood pardons sins? And do you actually, truly believe that Jesus rose from the grave? Here is the problem with us. The reason why many of us are wrecked is because we know the message, but we don't believe it. We don't believe it. And this is what the Apostle Paul... He's he's written a whole letter. He's well, your divisions, your you know, your jealousies, your confusions, your pride. He's writing about all that stuff and at the end he's like, "Ah, I get it now. I get their problem." I get their problem. It's not that they're not smart, it's not that they're not intelligent. I know their problem. They forgot the thing that matters most. The reason why they're living immoral is because they forgot about the blood. And the reason why they're wreaking havoc, and look, they they lost all hope. The reason why they're in despair, ever felt in despair, ever talked to someone who feels like not living, it's one of the hardest conversations you can have with someone. Someone who tells you they don't want to be here anymore. And they're considering or they have tried to take their own life. That's real. You can't give them the Jesus lollipop. What could give someone such a hope? The most real thing you can tell them this, do you believe that Jesus rose from the grave? Because if you do, the resurrection tells us this, that because he rose from the grave, even though you're living, you're living in the hell right now, you can still have hope. Now, in despair, not wanting to, you can have hope now. Then you say, but what if, not, what, what if not it changes about their situation? Well, this is the power of the resurrection. The gospel of the resurrection is that you can have hope now, but what if I don't experience that hope now? There's a hope that's later. There's a hope for later too. That even when all of this crumbles in our fragile humanity, shatters and when we breathe our last breath if we put our faith and trust in the lord he will resurrect us later this is the power of the gospel do you do you believe that and paul realized this is what the corinthian church forgot about and they were spiritual and they had loud services there were prophecies but what had them a mess is that they, they failed to understand the gospel of the resurrection. Look what he goes on to say. And I'll be wrapping up. In verse 12 of 1 Corinthians. It says, now if Christ look, is being preached as raised from the dead... How can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? Look, he realizes, holy cow, look, you got chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, mess, mess, problems here, issues over here. Then when he gets to chapter 15, chapter 16, he's going to say, great, God bless you, talk to you later, say hi to these people, these people send their greetings. He's like, there are some, hi, you Corinthians. Mess, 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 mess. Ah, some of you in here do not believe in a resurrection. And look, she's like, if you don't believe in the resurrection, then that would also mean that you don't believe that Christ rose from the dead because you don't believe in a resurrection. He says this is a huge problem. We, he needs to help renew their mind. Look, now, if Christ is being preached as raised from the dead because that's the message, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? Verse 13, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised, and that's not it's not true. It's not true. You're here, sitting here. Look, the resurrection for them, they, they missed it. They they misunderstand it. They didn't believe it. We're... The, the gospel came with Jesus being preached that he rose from the dead, and now it's at the bottom of the shelf for these people. He says, you know what, and if Christ has, has not been raised, then our preaching is futile and your faith is empty. Now, that's not true. Now, that's not true. He, indeed, Jesus raised from the dead. That's the message. But if you believe that he didn't, Then our preaching is futile. And look, your faith is empty. So now it makes sense. This is why they're a hot mess. They received the gospel message, but they did not believe in the resurrection. And so you know what? Then their faith is dead. I wonder if many of us are wrestling with our faith because it all ties down to not believing in the resurrection. Or we don't preach about the resurrection enough. I think that's the problem. The minute we start talking about dreams and God blessing, everybody's away, taking pictures, taking snapshots. You talk a little bit about the resurrection, people taking naps, sleeping, doing whatever they want to do, don't want to pay attention. Like, move on. Can we talk about something more important? No, this is the most important thing that we could know. Do you know for the Christians, every Sunday was Resurrection Sunday. Every Sunday was Resurrection Sunday. And they never got tired of talking about the resurrection. Why? Because the resurrection of the Sunday gave them hope that they, look, there was hope for now. The resurrection was a reminder that God can change them now. So look what happens. This is why many of us are like, I can't change, I can't change, I'm never going to change. You need to go back to the resurrection. The resurrection is all about the new creation that we have in Christ. Look, when you talk about themes of the resurrection, Paul writes in Romans chapter 4, look, if you believe and, uh, you, believe and you confess Christ, look, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives on the inside of you. Many of us are wrestling because we are forgetting about the resurrection. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is futile and your faith is empty." I wonder how many of us, the reason why our faith is gone is because we're failing to go back to the resurrection. Some of us, like, if I could just get a word from God, I just needed a a prophecy to remind me of of my purpose in Christ. I'm not saying you don't have one. But what I'm saying is the resurrection is the powerful message that you need to hear. Look, to renew your faith because the resurrection is hope. Do you know that the resurrection is hope? Let's be honest. Is the world getting better or worse each day? So how is it that we have any faith? Because we have a hope of the resurrection. This world, it seems like it's crumbling. Every day, getting more and more scared to send your child to school. I'm with you. It's not really getting better. Even right finding the church where you feel right, even that's getting a little bit harder these days. Well, how are you making it through each day living with that reality? Oh, it can only be if you have hope of the resurrection. He says in verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is useless and you're still in your sins. Now, now we know the truth is that He has. But the problem is they're not believing that. So here's a good thing. Anybody struggling with their sin? Anyone feeling like their faith is useless? Paul ties it into it's because you don't believe in the resurrection as you should. What prayers have you been praying for God to help you when you're wrestling with sin? What prayers have you been praying to God to help you restore your faith? Is it possible that we're looking for the wrong spiritual things concerning our our, our, our struggles with sin and and the depletion of faith that we have? We're seeking all these other things. It's like, well, I'm feeling down. I got to throw on 18 worship songs, and I'm not saying not to worship, but I'm telling this, are you going back to the cross and the resurrection? He says, Furthermore, those who have fallen asleep in Christ... Also perish. And he said, Yeah, and the reality is those who have died, they're gone. Then he says, Look, for if only in this life we have hope in Christ, we should be pitied more than anyone. Then he says something profound. Then he goes on to say, If 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 this message of the gospel is only hopeful and the message about Jesus is only hopeful for you know what takes place now, then you know what? We're to be pitied more than anyone why because the message of Jesus is just not about having a cute old day and a cute old time now the message of Jesus has to do with a new creation mindset now but look there's a resurrection even for those that have died that is powerful do you believe that how many loved ones have we buried how many people dear dear to you just like that they're gone do you know how painful that is how do you give comfort to someone who's lost someone so dear well in the world that we live that's it they're gone they're gone but in the gospel in the full message if you pull that thing off the shelf the message tells us this That if they died with faith in Christ, then you know what? They're going to rise again. And you know what? Us who are dead later on one day, we will rise too. And the message of the resurrection is this. Then we will be together with those that have fallen asleep. That is a powerful thing to believe. We read about it and we know that's what the stories say. But no, I got a real question. Do you really believe that? If you really believe that, then that changes everything. That could change everything. Then every day, look, when you have that perspective, then it's not every day a day further away from them. It changes the perspective, then every day is a step closer. A step closer. Not another day away, but a step closer. That hope only comes through a a real resurrection gospel. Some of us are just in this to get blessed. Some of us are in this because they need a real hope. After this, he goes into a great apologetic. He like, he says, no, Christ indeed
1: raised. He absolutely did rise.
0: And when you get to verse 53, at the end of that chapter, he says this. He says, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. Now when the perishable Puts on the imperishable and this mortal puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will happen. He quotes one of the Old Testament prophets and he breaks out in a, in a beautiful poetic psalm. He says, Death has swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But look, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, dear brothers and sisters, look, be firm. (laughs) In other words, this gospel does something. It, It gives us the strength to be firm and to live another day and to stand up another day and to go on another day and to fight another day and to have joy another day and to have patience another day. Only if the gospel becomes of first importance and only if you understand that the resurrection is for now and it's for later. It says, look, do not be moved. Always be outstanding in the work of the Lord look knowing that your labor is not in vain in the lord and so he ends with giving them a hope he gives them a hope for for now he gives them a hope for now for their for their struggle for their chaos look the resurrection gives them hope for that going back to the to the gospel The blood and the resurrection helps them for their divisions. It helps them for their differences. It helps them with their idolatry. It helps them with their pride. Look, the gospel message helps them with that. So it's helping them for their now. This is a message that we can't let fall to the background. I mean, in today's world, man, it's it's hard. It's hard. Like, we live in this, this very creative world. How many people like the creative world of today? I like it. Don't be, that's not a trick question. Everyone just looked at me like, I ain't raising my hand to that one. How many people like, and I like the creative world that we live in. Show of hands. Okay, there we go. There you all are. <laughs> you creatives better raise your hand. I like the creative world that we live in, but it's so hard to keep up with it, right? It's so hard to be, right, at the, especially if you are the creative, oh my God, you have to like outcreate yourself every day. Just to, right, to be at the cutting edge of everything that's happening. I see myself as a creative, but I've already given up on trying to be at the top of that one. You know, like, it's just like... And, it, and it's beautiful, but you know what happens? It's a burden to carry that weight. <laughs> and you know what? That has that has come into our churches too, and and and... And it's like we gotta be, you know, we gotta be the, we gotta, we gotta be the creative church, and we gotta be the the trendy church, and we gotta be the cool church. And then you know what happens? If that becomes the first importance, oh, it's so dangerous. Oh, how terrible would it be that we're creative, but then we're also crumbling, falling apart. Look. Being so look, being so creative. When the gospel is so simple and right, like, and every week we need something. I need something. I need more creativity from you, Pastor. I need something a little more creative. You know, like what's happening? Pastor, slowing down. I'm just getting old. (laughs) I'm just getting old, man. I'm not a young lion no more. I feel like. Bible says this. It's better to be a live dog than to be a dead lion. Better to be a live dog than to be a dead lion. And some of us trying to be so creative to be that lion (laughs) when thank God you're just a live dog right now. (laughs) And so some of us do so many things to make church cool, to make church more, it's like, and the gospel's right here. It's right here for, look, the gospel's right here for us who are wrestling, wrestling. The blood is right here for those that are struggling. Today I wanna invite you, if you would so, be so bold, who cares what people think sometimes, improper context, don't be that wild child that needs rebuking and correcting. I'm just saying, but who cares right now? If you are wrestling the flesh, that that mortal body, you're wrestling, wrestling to be the new creation that God called you to be, and you're, you're missing the mark, and you're struggling with sin, and would you just come forward right now and not be ashamed? Amen. Praise God. Look at all the men who just came up. Let's go, guys. Let's know for real. Let's go, guys. Let's go. You know what Paul said was the solution? You know what Paul said was the solution? was the hope. He says the cross and it's the resurrection and you can't lose sight of that. The cross and the resurrection, don't lose sight of that. This is what Paul did. The blood of Jesus that forgives
1: sin in the resurrection. (laughs) He said the blood was powerful to forgive sin. And he said, there's hope for resurrection. The blood of Jesus that forgives sin and washes us. And there's hope for a new mind because of the resurrection. Because of the blood, he washes away our sin." and we stand watched before God. And he says there's hope of a new mind and a new heart because of the resurrection.
0: If you wrestle with people, you're just always wrestling there's always discord, or there's always feelings that break unity. Would you come forward now? In this context, who cares what people think? Would you come forward? Thank you, sister. Thank you, sister. You're the one that always feels left out or you're the one that's forgotten or the one misunderstood and that creates these tensions. Would you come forward? Thank you, my brother. You know what the Apostle Paul did to them? He told them the solution was the same thing. The blood and the resurrection. The blood and the resurrection gives us peace. Dealing with The strife and sometimes those divisions cause us to be separated from others, sometimes over time, end up in resentment, anger, and it separates us. You know what the Apostle Paul said about that? He said the cross, he said, the blood is how we have forgiveness of sin. And it's because of that same mercy of forgiveness as we forgive others as Christ forgave us it goes back to the blood and the resurrection Lord help all these people Lord help us the church who believe in this message Lord help us Lord the blood and the resurrection Lord that pardon our sin Lord Help us, Lord, to forgive, Lord. Help us, Lord, to come back into unity, Lord, and help us, Lord, God, in the offenses and in the tensions, Lord, and in the disunity, Lord. Help us, Lord. The blood and the resurrection. Help our hurting hearts, Lord. Help us, Lord, in moments of isolation, Lord, Help us in moments of strife, Lord. Help us in discord, Lord God, to find unity in spirit, Lord God, because of your blood and your resurrection, Lord. The blood and the resurrection. If you're struggling today, just uh, you lack faith, depleted of faith. Getting hard just to press on each day. Growing weary and tired. Would you just pass forward in this context? Who cares what people think? Anyone else weary in faith? Each day's getting harder. Would you just come? Who cares what people think right now? If you're heartbroken over a relationship That didn't turn out how you envisioned it Will you come Who cares what people think right now Could you bring your broken heart If you're overwhelmed If you're the person with anxiety And actions, thoughts and worry If that's you Who cares what people think Would you just come forward right now If you're sick, if you have an illness, maybe no one knows. Maybe people know and they've been praying for you. Would you pass forward right now? Who cares what people think? Amen. What about if you're just confused altogether with your purpose in life? You have no clarity. It's not that you don't care. You just feel you've never seen how God really wants to direct your life. And you kind of just feel stagnant. You love God. You believe in God. You believe in the church. But you really just feel this. I just don't know. Would you just pass forward right now? Who cares what people think? Praise God. Thank you. Some of you are just tr- trying to serve to serve the kingdom, but you feel like... I... Amen. Praise God. Look at all the people here. What we all need is to take that message that's been on the bottom of the shelf Sometimes our creativity got in the way and we never even get to that. But it's always going to be the blood and the resurrection that's going to give us hope. Now, everyone who didn't pass forward, could you just just stand? We're just going to all pray together right now. Maybe I didn't say something that specifically is heavy on your heart, but I want you to know that God sees you too. Amen? Amen and together as a church I just want to pray blessing over those who are wrestling to believe because we have not seen but in Jesus words blessed are those who have not seen yet believe some of us have not seen peace but I want to bless you for believing in the hope of peace even though you have not tasted peace I want to bless you for those that have not seen your purpose yet. You haven't seen it, and it's hard to believe then that God does indeed have something for you. Blessed are you who have not seen yet believe. I want You could be hopeful for such a thing because of the resurrection. Father, I pray right now, Lord God, for this incredible congregation of people who are here right now, Lord. Father, I pray, Lord God, that we too, Lord, the Dwelling Place Church, these people right here, Lord, that we would be reminded and never lose sight, Lord, never lose the significance of the blood that was shed, Lord God, that breaks, Lord God, the curse of sin, Lord God. The curse of bondage is broken, Lord God. And that we're forgiven, Lord God, and that there's no condemnation for all those that are in Christ, Lord God. So today, we come before you, Lord God, as we are, Lord God. Broken, frail, weak as we are, Lord God. And Father, we pray, Lord God, and we come to you, Lord God. We come here as a sign of repentance and our brokenness, Lord God. All of us, Lord God, all sorts of things, Lord. We're all wrestling with, Lord God. Frail, Lord God, humanity we are. But you shed your blood to cover us all, Lord. Look, to wash us, Lord. I pray right now that there's a washing, Lord. I pray there's a washing in this room right now, Lord God. The washing, Lord God, that comes by the word of God, Lord God, and by your spirit. Wash us today right now, Lord God. Wash, Lord God, Lord God. The shame, Lord God. All the guilt as well, Lord God. Wash us right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God. Heal hearts, Lord God, hurting hearts, Lord God, that have been wounded, Lord God. Some of those hearts are hurt because of things that others did. Some of those hearts are broken because of what was lost, Lord God. Some of the hearts are broken because of the ones that we lost, Lord. So I pray that your spirit would sweep across this room, Lord God, and heal our hearts, Lord. Father, I pray for a cleansing also of our minds, Lord. The weights, the worries, the cares, Lord God. The things that choke us, Lord God, mentally and emotionally, the cares of this world, Lord God. May your word today be the seed that bears fruit in these minds. Renew us in the spirit of our minds, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. Anything that has us in in discord, Lord, discord with our brother and sister. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus right now, Lord. We rebuke it in the mighty name of Jesus. You died on the cross for us to all sit at one table and partake and fellowship. So we pray for a spirit of unity and fellowship, a true unity and spirit, Lord God, of fellowship, Lord. That we're not just united in this room, but we are united always, Lord. today let many be born again Lord today born again by the gospel message the blood and his resurrection Lord. may we know that this is a hope for right now even now Lord and for later that we will see the resurrected Savior Lord that we hope that we will see you Lord some of us, is all that we desire, Lord God, but let us know that because of the resurrection, it tells us that we will, we will see you just as you are, Lord, just as you are, Lord. Let the hope to see you, Lord, give us faith to believe you now, even when we don't, Lord. May you be encouraged by this last verse as we all stand? 1 John chapter 3, it says, look, dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know, look, that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Let me give you that hope that just because we don't see him now doesn't mean that we won't ever see him. We will all be able to see Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. It took Thomas eight days, right? Maybe we won't see him in our lifetime, but the scripture tells us there's going to be a day when all of us He's going to return and we're all going to be transformed like him. From the mortal to the immortal, from the perishable to the unperishable. And then look, we all will see him as he is. And one day all of us will be able to put our hands and touch the wounds and see his side and see him face to face. That's what you and I are supposed to be believing in. Not just on Sunday, but every day in these wrestlings and these burdens and these pains and these sufferings, the hope to see Him. Because He indeed shed His blood and He indeed rose. Amen? Amen. God bless you. God bless you.